Father, we thank you for the goodness that you bestow to us. You give us life. You give us food, water, places to lay our heads, things that you didn't even have when you were here. So, Jesus, I would ask that you would just give us wisdom and insight to your word as we look into it for relationships, Lord, the marriage reset and reinforcement And help us to understand these things are not just for married couples, but they are for general information for relationships as well. Father, we ask again for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is going to be part five here. We have the other parts online, and we are dealing with the marriage relationships and relationships in general. Uh, That was number one of three, relationship or communication, and I talked Uh, pretty extensively about how we communicate and we need to learn how to do that. And then I talked about riches or money uh, last week and what the Bible has to say about us and our money and how that relates to us inside of a marital relationship. And then I told you uh, we're going to start talking about respect, which is love, honor, and submission. Now, a successful marriage, according to Ann Landers, you guys remember her, Ann Landers? is not a gift, it's an achievement. It's something that you have to work at. It is not something that is just given to you. Uh, for instance, it's, it's difficult for men and women to relate to one another and, and to figure each other out, but there's this story. A guy was walking along the beach, God appeared to him and said, just like Solomon, I will grant you one wish. Ask anything and I will do it for you. The guy said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I can't because I'm afraid to fly, and ships make me deathly sick. My wish is for you to build a highway from here to Hawaii. God replied, I'm sorry, but I don't think I can do that. Just think of all the work involved. Think of the huge pilings that would need to hold up the highways and how deep they would have to go and how how they have to go all the way to the bottom of the ocean and think of the cement that would be needed plus since it's such a long span, there would have to be gas stations and rest stops along the way and the extra carbon emissions over the ocean. Now, I just think that's too much to ask and kind of impossible. Think of another wish. The guy thought for a moment and said, well, there is one thing I've always wanted to know. I'd like to be able to understand women, what makes them laugh and cry and why they are so complicated and difficult to figure out and to get along with, you know, what makes them tick? God thought for a second, then asked, do you want that highway two lanes or four? (laughs) And so it's always difficult to figure out, you know, for men, it's difficult for men to figure out women, and women get exasperated with men. But it is our job, and I'm going to spend some time on this, to get understanding, to know who a woman is if you're a man, or to know what a man is like, and what makes him tick if you're a woman. Now, I'm going to mention several things here, and I want you to keep something in mind. We can gain understanding through several different avenues. For instance, the Bible is not a treatise on science. It was never meant to be. But there are people who study science, and they discover truth, which is out there. Now, I believe that all truth is God's truth, But not all truth is in the Bible. For instance, the Bible does not talk about gravity. But is it true that there is gravity? 
Yes. And who created gravity? God. So it's God's truth that there is gravity. And so there are people that study different things that are out there that the subject matter is not covered in an intense way or in an in-depth way in Scripture. And that is true with the relationships between husband and wives. God gives us a little bit of insight, but for the most part, there is not an exhaustive treatise on the relationship between men and women and what makes us tick. He allows us, he grants us the ability to figure that out for ourselves. And that's where the test comes in because we will often, as men and women, will get frustrated. And so I am going to give you some information today. I'm going to refer to a few scriptures, but there are people that study the relationships between men and women, and they have a lot of insight. And with that insight, we want to glean that because God says in his word, that wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And that understanding is in a broad scope. It's not only of the things of God and who God is and salvation and sin and redemption and heaven that is ahead of us, but it's also in how to live your life and what is wise and what is unwise, what are good choices and what are poor choices. So the difference between men and women, when understood properly, will in the long run engender love and respect. If we understand who each other is or who we are, we will be able to walk in the newness of life and the husbands will be able to love their wives and wives will be able to respect and honor their husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands in the same way be considerate. Now, when it says be considerate, it means dwell with according to knowledge. In other words, just as you would have to go through school and you would have to study and take tests, you have to do that same thing in a relationship. As a guy specifically here, it says in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so nothing will hinder your prayers. In other words, it's our task as men to understand women. We can't just think that if we enter into a relationship, things are just going to be fine because the woman's going to do exactly what you want and you're going to be happy and that's the end of the matter, right? Well, it doesn't work that way. And so we have to figure out as men what's going on with women. And the same thing with women, what's going on with guys. I mean, sometimes it's just an enigma. It's something that women just don't understand. They get exasperated. They walk away. They just, that's just it. I'm, I'm done. So the way women communicate is different than the way men communicate. For instance, I want to ask you, who speaks more words during a day, a man or a woman? I heard the women kind of say, oh, woman, real low tones. Well, it varies depend on, depending on who you read. Uh, I, I read one study, and one study was men speak uh, 12,500, no, uh, women speak 12,500 words a day. And another in that same study said men only speak 7,500 words a day. And then I read another one that said, no, that's not true. Men and women speak equal amount of words during a day, 16,500 approximately. And then the latest one, was, which was just three years ago, it said that, and this was in the Daily Mail, December 10th, 2017, 
that women speak 20,000 words a day, some 13,000 more than the average man. And that's the latest study which is out there. And that was in the Daily Mail, again, December 10th. So it's just a few days ago, 2017. Now, from a Christian perspective, when boys are growing up, and I was just listening to somebody on this, how boys, you know, they have a tendency not to communicate in complete words or sentences when they're growing up. They have a tendency to use monosyllabic phrases like, um, or zoom, things like that. Uh, Cheryl, your grandson, he was, he was in here when we were practicing uh, one morning before church for worship, and he brought a bunch of cars. And, of course, we talk when he brings the cars, and we race the cars sometimes on the concrete here before you guys get here, and he's thrilled with that, and I'm thrilled that he's thrilled with that. But I was noticing that he wasn't saying much, but he was taking a car. Instead of using it as a car, he was using it as a laser. He held it up, and he's going, pew, 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 and he's running around the, the sanctuary here, and I'm going, but it's a car, you know, but it doesn't matter. That's just how he communicates by himself. And he says so many more things, not just Zachary, but young boys will say words like that that really aren't words, but they'll be sounds, monosyllabic phrases. They'll say them all day long. It turns into thousands of times that they actually end up doing it. Now, in this book, What's Up With Boys, Everything You Need to Know About Guys, it's in paperback. It was produced in September twentieth, two 2004 by Crystal uh, Kurgis. This is what she writes. When do girls talk? Whenever the opportunity arises. And if there isn't an opportunity readily available, then girls will create one. This is why girls go to the bathroom in groups. It provides yet another opportunity to talk, to bond, to share secrets, to solve life's crises, and to discuss what they should talk about next. There is a very good explanation for this difference between guys and girls. Each day, guys speak between, and this is another study that she referred to, between 2,000 and 4,000 words. They make between 1,000 and 2,000 communication sounds, uh-huh, mm, eh, etc. And they, and, excuse me, and they make between 2,000 and 3,000 nonverbal communication actions, such as hand gestures and facial expressions. If you add all those numbers together, you'll see that guys speak between 5,000 to 9,000 words per day. Girls, however, speak between 6,000 and 8,000 words, make between 2,000 and 3,000 sounds, and between 8,000 and 10,000 communication actions. Add them all up, and a girl speaks between 16 and 21,000 words per day. In other words, girls, on average, speak anywhere between three and four times as many words each day as guys do. It's impossible to decide whether girls speak more often because they have more words to say each day or if girls speak more words each day because they speak more often. That's the which came first, the chicken or the egg question in the female world. Not that it makes much difference. Girls, most of them, talk more than guys, most of them, and nothing is going to change that because girls can use both sides of their brains at once. Girls can talk and do something else. Uh, 
In fact, a girl's brain can create language on both sides, whereas a guy's creates language only on the left side. So not only do girls have higher quality of words each day, but they also have a higher quality of words, meaning that their language skills in general are better developed than those of guys. In other words, between the two sides of the brain, if you can imagine a package of angel hair spaghetti, that's what goes on between both sides of the brain when a woman is communicated and they will come up with words on both the left and the right side of the brain. Uh, concomitantly at the same time it happens alongside it just it's something that is a fact of life for women for men they don't have spaghetti they just have a big manicotti it just goes back and forth you know it's it's just like a tube that goes back and forth between both sides of the brain but the women it's the fiber optics that are going back and forth she goes on to say why is this important to know so that you understand these things. If a guy isn't talking to you, it doesn't mean he's mad at you. Have you ever heard that? You know, one of the things that I gave at a men's uh, retreat years ago, 10 reasons why it's great to be a guy. One of them is that you can be in a boat all day fishing with other, not say a word and not think that the other guy's mad at you because he didn't talk to you all day. That, that's one of the things about guys. They don't have to communicate like that. They can even communicate with Hey, that, that says a lot to them. You know, they don't have to have verbal communication all the time. Or they do a fist bump, hey man, and they hit the fist bump, and what does that mean? Hey, it's good to see you. It's wonderful to have you here. I enjoy your company. But all of that is in the fist bump, and it goes, hey man, what's going on? It goes on to say, she goes on to say, if a guy doesn't seem to be listening to you, it might be because he's doing something else and can only focus on one thing at a time. Remote control. You're talking to him. Are you listening to me? You know the way, and he's going like this, one thing at a time. That's how a man is built. If a guy doesn't look you in the eye during a conversation, it doesn't mean he's daydreaming or ignoring you. It doesn't mean that that's the case. I, I was reading something else about the number of seconds, the average seconds that a man will make eye contact during a conversation and the number of seconds a woman makes eye contact during a conversation. A guy will look at somebody else directly in the eye for a total of three seconds. A woman will look directly in the eye of somebody else they're talking to for 12 seconds. And so if a guy looks at you one, two, three, and then he looks down or he looks away, it doesn't mean he's not paying attention to you. It's just how his brain is operating. Where the woman, in order to feel the relationship, she wants to make eye contact and face contact. She wants to be in there intimately knowing what's going on. And there are some other interesting facts that we'll get to on that in a minute. If a guy gives you a guy nod or a guy wave, he's talking to you, right? That's how guys communicate. If you want to have a conversation with a guy, it might be best to find some kind of activity that you both enjoy and can do together. Then when there's a break in the action, strike up a conversation. Don't expect him to do and talk at the same time. It's walk and chew gum. Right? Finally, remember that all the tiny details are not important to most guys. If you have something to say or a story to tell, keep it short and to the point. Save all those extra words for your next girl group trip to the bathroom. And so, you know, most guys, they just want 
the facts, remember, it, it wasn't exactly like this, but in Dragnet, Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. He didn't say it quite like that, but that's what we all know. Just the facts, ma'am. It, it's like the guy is saying, so what's the point? I, I, even when Patty and I communicate, she, will give, she wants to give me the background to the point she's making. And I want just the point. Just, just get to the point. And if I'm tired or I'm frustrated, you know, I'll be going, I'll look at her three seconds and then look down. I'm going, okay, and the point is, and we're getting to the point, we're moving on. And that's just because I'm a guy. That's what a guy does. A guy wants the point because he can solve the problem because he's task-oriented. The woman is relationship-oriented. If she gives the information to you, it's she's producing the relationship, the desired relationship she wants. But if the guy's not participating, what is that going to produce? Frustration and anger, and you're not listening to me. But at the same time, the guy has, quote-unquote, you ever heard this, a one-track mind. A woman, hers is a train station. I mean, it's just going in and out. Trains are coming in all the time. If you've ever been to a train station, you know there can be 12, 15, 20 different track levels. Guy, one track. That's all he's doing. Now, women also apply different meanings to words they use. And and this is going to be somewhat of a humorous example, and it will show us this. It's called the Female Argument Dictionary. Now, you're going to have to, guys, I want you to pay attention. You might have to skip a track here to pay attention to this. Now, this is the word that a woman uses at the end of an argument when they feel they are right and you need to be quiet. This word is fine. If a woman says fine, this is a word a woman will use to end an argument when she feels they are right or she is right and you need to be quiet. Never use fine To describe how a woman looks, this will cause you to have one of those arguments, right? So how do I look, honey? Fine. For a guy, fine means great, wonderful, acceptable. It's totally all right. It's awesome. It's cool. It's over the top. That's what fine means to a guy. But a woman, remember her vocabulary is much broader than a guy's. And so she'll use many more words like, oh, that is so cute. Can you imagine a guy doing that? Oh, that is so cute. No, it's not going to work that way. Five minutes. Now, you remember the definition of fine. Five minutes. This is a half an hour. It is equivalent to five minutes that your football game is going to last before you take out the trash so it's an even trade. If the wife says, I'll be ready in five minutes, it can be a half hour. If the guy says, I'm going to take out the trash during a game, well, it's going to be a half hour. The word nothing. This means something. And you should be on your toes. Nothing is usually used to describe the feelings a woman has of wanting to turn you inside out, upside down, and backwards. Nothing usually signifies an argument that will last five minutes and end with fine. And and so this idea that if you ask her, what's wrong? She goes, nothing. Is there something wrong? Like You better pay attention if you're a guy. You see how women use words. It means something different to them. They don't want to talk, but nothing means there is actually something wrong. How about this one? Go ahead with raised eyebrows. This is a dare, one that will result in the woman getting upset over nothing and will end with the word fine. 
So she says, go ahead. What do you know if that takes place? (laughs) She doesn't want me to do whatever it is, but she's just saying, go ahead. Well, what about go ahead with a normal eyebrow? Eyebrow straight across. This means I give up or do what you want because I don't care. You will get a raised eyebrow go ahead in just a few minutes, followed by nothing and fine, and she will talk to you in about five minutes when she cools off. You see how these words all link together? How about a loud sigh like, (sighs) this is not actually a word, but a nonverbal communication statement often misunderstood by men. A loud sigh means she thinks you are not very bright at the moment and wonders why she is wasting her time standing here and arguing with you over nothing. You see, and when she sighs like a, a soft sigh, again, not a word, but a nonverbal statement, soft sigh, means that she is content. Your best bet is not to move or breathe, and she will stay content. That's okay. This is one of those most dangerous statements that a woman can make to a man. That's okay means that she wants to think long and hard before paying you back for whatever it is you have done. That's okay is often used with the word fine and in conjunction with raised eyebrows. Then go ahead. At some point in the near future, you're going to be in some mighty big trouble. If the woman turns to you and says, go ahead, and she has a straight face, guys, we need to get in tune with this. It doesn't mean go ahead. It doesn't mean just do whatever you want. Or how about, please do. How about that statement? That means... This is not a statement, it is an offer. A woman is giving you the chance to come up with whatever excuse or reason you have for doing whatever it is that you have done. You have a fair chance with the truth, so be careful and you should use it or you shouldn't get a that's okay when it's all done. And so just even the words or the phrases that a woman uses, uh, she will, and I've used this one before, like for instance, guys, if you leave your clothes on the ground. Remember I've talked about this? If you leave your socks on the ground and she turns to you and she says, are those yours? (laughs) Who else would they be, right? That's not what she intends to communicate. And so guys have to figure that out. A guy will say, why don't you just ask me to pick them up? Well, the woman doesn't communicate like that. She wants more of a conversation on this, like, yeah, maybe I should be picking up my clothes. That would be the better thing to do. And she'd think, well, maybe you could do that more often. You know, that's, that's how it goes. Now, the flip side of this is also true, that the, the women don't understand the men, and the men get exasperated with the women. And it's, it's something that we have to recognize, that this idea, like, for instance, the earth, The North Pole has a negative charge. The South Pole has a positive charge. But they are both charges, aren't they? And they are equal and they are opposite. But they are both necessary. Like in the center of an atom, you have the nucleus and you have electrons. Inside the nucleus, there's a positive charge and the electrons are the negative charge that go around. And one can't exist without the other. Men and women are the same way. Men and women are made of the same stuff. Now, Adam is made of dirt, and the woman is made from Adam's side, a bone in Adam's side, which is a rib. And so they're both made of the same stuff. But as far as the complexion of their personality and their psychology, it is completely different. The world wants to tell us 
that men and women are exactly the same. And they are not. And there are attempts in media to get this out there. For instance, how many in the um, or how many times have you seen maybe in a movie or a television show a woman can beat up a guy just as easily as any guy can beat up a guy? Have you seen that where the women are just so strong? And they're not. They're not on average, and this is a general rule, they're not as strong. The women are not as non-emotional as men. Men, they have that single track where a woman, if she's involved in something that may be a little confusing or you don't have all the understanding, they can be going back and forth in their mind where the guy has a single objective. That's why guys are good at war. Kill and break. That's what they do. Where a woman is saying, well, but there might be collateral damage and this might come up. And that's just how she's built. That's not a, a, a slight on a woman and how she acts. This is something that we have to recognize. Now, they have actually done studies. And this is what I'm getting into here. Again, I haven't used much scripture here and I'm big on the scripture. But God says, get understanding as you're going along with your spouse. And I found this uh, writing this article that was a compilation of several different studies. Observations, some of them you're going to go like, duh, well, we all know that, but they've actually spent money on these studies, and they've produced papers, and they've produced books on this, volumes of books. And one person compiled all this together, 50 differences between men and women that the secular community has come up with and they've recognized that these are not going to change. And it's everything from estrogen and testosterone and dopamine and all these things that are going on inside the brains of men and women. Like, for instance, women's brains, they change and they modify. They actually shrink and then they get bigger. They They don't lose any brain cells. It's just the distance between these synapses. It changes. And this happens when they are in the womb and right outside of the womb the brain just kind of functions but as men get older their brains tend to decrease more quickly that gray matter just shrinks as they get older faster than the woman's that's why the woman cognitive functions usually last longer and these are things that are differences between men and women now i'm not going to read to you all 50 but there are a lot of things in here we just need to recognize for instance Men and women don't see in the same way. They're very eyes. They are different. For example, the male retina is thicker. It has more M cells. That's a particular cell for uh, garnering light. M cells are larger and are distributed across the retina. M cells are responsible for tracking and movement of objects. Now, what does that mean? Hunter, gatherer, that's what they do. Women's eyes are not built like that. The female retina is thinner. It has more P cells. P cells are smaller and concentrated around the center of the retina. P cells are responsible for identifying objects and analyzing textures and colors. So when a woman walks into a room, first thing she sees is the colors and the textures of things. And it makes her feel a particular way. Where a guy... He watches movement. That's what he's big on is movement. If there's something that moves, he catches it. He, I saw that. Did you see that? The woman goes, no. And she's looking at the colors and the trees and everything else and how that makes her feel. So even the eyeballs, the structure of the eyeball is different in men and women. And they go on and they give a lot more information on this. Female babies like faces. Male babies like moving objects. 
They've done studies on this where they have the female babies and the male babies. And if you put your face real close to the female baby, if she's been fed and she's been changed and she's warm, she's going to look at you and just get all excited. But a guy, he'll look at you and he probably won't do anything. He'll just look at you. But if you put something shiny and move it in front of him, he, he gets enamored by that thing that moves. And so even the behavior, as far as what they're seeing, it is completely different from men and women. In this study, 100 infants uh, were watched for this, and they were given a choice between looking at a young woman's face or a dangling mobile. The researchers were not told the sex of the babies while they recorded the eye movement, the boys were twice as likely to prefer gazing at the mobile or the mobile, and the girls were more likely to look at the face. And they give the study when this took place. Now, boys and girls like to draw different things. Girls prefer drawing people and animals and plants and arrange symmetrically all faces and all, all that type of uh, like a whole type of picture. Guys mostly draw action scenes with dynamic movement, like bang, bang, or going over a, a dune on a dune buggy, something like that. Then female, our females hear better than males. <laughs> Go figure. Is that remote again? The brain centers for language and hearing. Women have 11% more neurons than men. Females not only hear better, but can discern between broader range, a broader range of emotional tones in a human voice. This is probably because babies. Women evolve to be nurturers, so hearing and interpreting their infant's cries is kind of an important skill. And it's a skill we're born with. A study of infants on the day of their birth showed that girls will respond more to the cries of another baby than boys. And so a woman, you know, if you're sitting there, if a guy's watching a football game and the baby's crying, it, it, it goes on to talk about how a guy just, that's like white noise. He doesn't even really pay attention to it. Where if the baby lets out one peep, the woman in her anatomy, in her brain, she hears that. Now, if, a, if you understand men and women, the respect and the love and all that, and a woman goes to a man and says, didn't you hear that? Well, he probably didn't. He probably didn't hear because of the physiology of his brain. He doesn't get these things. Now, I'm telling you all of these things because these are studies that are done, have been done to figure out the differences between men and women. And if we understand these differences, we are better able to deal with somebody who has an infirmity or somebody who has a hypersensitivity. We can adjust to that. It's like the person who's handicapped, the person who has a physical infirmity. We deal more gently with them. We don't require things of them. Or the person that is uh, hyper-intelligent, you know, we treat them differently than somebody who is just your average Joe. And so this is necessary in the confines of relationship. Music affects us differently. Premature baby girls who received music therapy had fewer complications, grew faster, and were able to just, just be just excuse me, be discharged earlier than the ones that did not. There was no effect on premature baby boys. And so when they say, you know, you play this music, and they've done studies on it, and I have the study here, it's made by Leonard Sachs, and they just discovered these things. Males will automatically block out certain sounds. 
Imagine that. A study of adults in the Netherlands monitored the brain activity of 17 to 25-year-old males and females as they processed white noise and music. The females had an intense response to both sounds. The males responded to the music but deactivated to the white noise as if they didn't hear it. Now, ladies, if you're coming to your husband and you're nagging him, guess what you just turned yourself into? White noise. And the guy is just going to shut it down. He has that ability where a woman is hypersensitive to all the sounds that are around her. And why? It's because the physiology of the brain is different. Going on, females can verbally express their emotions better than males. Go figure. You know, a guy doesn't communicate all that well, right? If a guy gets mad, what does he do? He goes break something. Or he goes, hit something, or he goes, runs, or he, he does something physical, but he really doesn't talk about it. If a woman has an issue, she has a problem, is she able to communicate? She, I need to talk to my best friend. And they call somebody up. Not that the husband can't be the best friend, but they usually call somebody up, and they spill it out, and the other one is understanding. Can we get together for some coffee? How often, men, do we get together for coffee? Or tea? Not very often, Right? We do occasionally, you know, hey, how you doing? Fist bump, yeah, hey, man, what's going on? And that's how we communicate. And we drink our coffee, what's up, man, catch any fish? You know, something like that. But the women, they communicate emotionally. They're better able to do that. Boys naturally use movement to think. Why do you think little boys are so hyperactive? They are thinking. When they're running, they're thinking. If they're not running, guess what's happening? Nothing. They, they are just sitting there, and unfortunately, this probably goes on into adulthood. But the guys, in order to be thinking, and, you know, as a guy, I start to analyze this. I go, is that what I do? And men, we should. When you're in a task, you're focused on the task, everything else is superfluous. It's out on the outskirts. It's on the reaches. If it demands your attention, then you stop what you're doing, sometimes frustrated. You go, What? And you turn and you direct yourself towards that. And the women need to learn that if a guy is involved in a task, remember I just read to you, if a guy's involved in a task, it's probably not a good idea to carry on a conversation. You know, we, and we'll do this all the time. It, it, lovingly so, like Patty and I will be having a conversation and she'll be sitting in our bedroom on the bed and I'll be brushing my teeth. And she'll ask me a question. And I just look at her. She goes, what? Tell me. You know, and, and I'm, I'm task oriented. I'm really not going to be communicating it. And, you know, we get a laugh out of it. We go back and forth. But it's this idea that the boys, the natural movement of the boy, and that's why they're so active, their brain is developing when they're moving. That's why you send little boys, go out to play. Go do that. Remember as we were kids, our parents, most of us, they would send the boys out and we wouldn't come home until it was dinner. I mean, we would do something out there where the girls, they would stay home and they'd play with dollies and their friends would come over and they would do whatever. In this day and age, that would be considered sexist, but that's just the way things are. Group of boys play differently than groups of girls. Have you noticed that? Now, I grew up four boys in a family, our family. My daughters, I have three daughters and a son. And I knew it instinctively that the girls were going to play differently and interact differently with one another. For instance, boys, 
larger play groups. They focus on the game itself, rough and tumble, very competitive, confrontational, establish dominance and test hierarchies, claim territory and monopolize toys, show off their physical strength, struggle for social rank, and are more likely to use threats. Could you imagine that in a girls' group? Girls focus on relationship building, take turns 20 times more often than boys do, more likely to make collaborative proposals like starting their sentences with let's or let us. Their pretend play is usually about caregiving in relationships. Boys don't do that. Boys, that's why, remember I asked you guys uh, a week or two ago, I said, how many of you men have never been in a fight and not one of you raised your hand, right? And then I asked the women the same thing, and none of them raised their hand. No, they raised their hands, a lot of them. They, they don't get in fights. But guys, they get in fights. That's how we operate. We would rather fight than talk. Girls would rather talk than fight. Going on with this. There are so many that are good ones. Boys and girls play with different toys. Have you seen the movement that is out there to get the boys to play with dolls and the girls to play with trucks? They have discovered they put a group of monkeys together. The male monkeys like cars with wheels on them, anything with wheels. They'll, they'll go and they'll play with the cars. The girl monkeys, guess what they like? Dolls. They like dolls, the warm, fuzzy dolls. Guess what human boys and girls like? The same thing. And I remember seeing this once. I just cracked up. This young boy, he got a Barbie doll. And he was playing with the Barbie doll. And he's moving the legs and the arms around. And guess what he did with it? He formed it into a gun. <laughs> One leg went down. That was the handle. The other part went out. And the head was back across the hand. It was a perfect gun. And he went pew, pew, pew. He's walking around with a Barbie doll. And he's not going to play with a Barbie doll the same way that a girl is going to play with a Barbie doll. Now, do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? The differences between men and women, if we understand these, we can be more respectful and more loving to the other spouse which is out there, which is what God commands us to do. And I'll get to those scriptures in Ephesians and also in Colossians. Boys are more likely to take risks. How many guys in here have stitches because they took risks? How many guys? Most most guys in here have stitches because they took some kind of risk. Now, I'd ask the women, but I'm not going to go into that. You know, I know women don't take many risks. They're usually safer. Is it safe? Is it okay? But guys take risks. Then, <laughs> go figure. Females are easy, easier to startle. One of the favorite things that guys love to do is startle women. I still do it. You know, I'll, I'll walk in from the garage and I'll shut the door real quietly as I come in. And I walk, and if my shoes squeak a little bit, I'll walk slow. And Patty, she may be in the kitchen doing something, and I'll walk right up behind her. And I'll just stand there. I'm just waiting for her to be started. It's kind of fun, you know, for me to do that. And she, and she turns on, oh, you, you know, something like that after she gets startled. And so even the way that we interact in surprise situations is different. Women also exhibit a stronger emotional response to the anticipation of pain. Now, my daughters, when they would get shots, one of my daughters would almost faint. She would cry, and it just wouldn't be good. My son, 
you know, or me, you know, when I was growing up, it's like, ow, it bothers me. But girls, they have an adverse reaction when it comes to pain. Males are more likely to overstate their abilities. <laughs> you know, I'm going to read you this. This idea of men and women making different amounts. When a woman would go for a job interview, only 7% of the women would ask for more money. Men, 57% of the men would ask for more money. So immediately, more men start off making more money because the women won't do that. They don't communicate in such a way. They won't take those risks. Like, I might not get the job if I don't ask for more money. Males, or excuse me, males are more likely to die from an accident than females. Why? Because they take more risks. They do more stupid things. They, you know, the extreme sports which are out there, and it, it has lots of studies that go on this. Men are more likely to perceive a neutral face as unfriendly. I have done this. What are you looking at? Like, Nothing, man. I'm just looking. You know, come on, get over it. You know, and that's what guys do. But a woman looks at a neutral face. Oh, they're fine. They're pleasant. But a guy doesn't, he perceives that you and I are going to have words, you know. You know we're, we're talking to each other, but we're really not talking, but you know what I mean. And, and so that's the difference with a neutral face. Males are more likely to exhibit aggression physically, while females are more likely to exhibit aggression verbally. In other words, a woman can talk. She has more words. She's able to form complete sentences. A guy will go out and break things. That's how a guy reacts. Going on with this, women use both sides of their brains to respond to emotional experiences while men use just one. <laughs> they, they categorize an experience. They put it in a file cabinet, this is what it is. Where a woman is considering the circumstances all around her, she's going back and forth with how she feels, how does everybody else feel around her, the guy's going, it was a problem, problem solved, I've moved on. The woman doesn't do that. Women read subtle emotions better than men. You think. They, they can tell when kids are upset. What do, what do uh, men usually do? Oh, stop crying, you baby. Right? They're not reading any kind of emotions whatsoever. Our worlds are perceived completely different from one another. I mean, even the rods and cones inside the eye, I was talking about the eye, the women have so many more receptors that perceive color than men. And it is men who are colorblind. That, that's where the colorblind gene goes through is the men. But women, they see so many more colors. That's why you have colors like puce. You know, what, what is puce or mulberry or, you know, all these different colors because the women love the colors. The guys, they stick to the basic groups which are out there. Now, some of this, it goes on. Men thrive in conflict. Women avoid it. Are men argumentative? For the most part, we are. Do women like it? No, they don't. But a guy thrives on it. A guy says, yeah, this is good. Okay. It's like a fight. You know, okay, I'm going to win a fight verbally. I'm going to be confrontational in this. Males, I, I'm going to skip that one. Let's see here. Well, I'll, I'm going to sanitize this one a little bit. 
men are more motivated by the physical relationship than women. You think. That's what a guy, a guy has a one-track mind. A woman doesn't have a one-track mind. In the marriage relationship, a guy normally, when you use the general generalities that are out there, guys are more motivated in this area than women just throughout the world. This is the way it is. The woman has to be not in a bad way, but she has to be cajoled. She has to be wooed. She has to be made to feel secure. And by the way, they did a study on this. The study found that in every culture, the male is the pursuer. The woman wants to be pursued. If that is flipped, there are only certain conditions in which that can be flipped. And that is if there's an overabundance of females something like that in a group of males. And just the way that the men and the women interact, it is universal that the men are the ones who want to pursue and they want to pursue the woman. The woman is the one who wants to be pursued. The world is trying to change that. The world doesn't like that uh, being set up that way. And God is the one that set it up that way. But men are also attracted to youth and beauty. Women are attracted to status. Now, women are attracted to men who look good and dress well. Remember I told you that study on the, uh, the train that runs in London? They set up the cameras, and they were watching women who they looked at on the subways that were over there. And they, without a doubt, women were looking more at the men that were looking nice, that were kind of metro, you know, they kept themselves clean and they dressed nice. They were looking for status. They were looking for rings. They were looking for watches, that type of thing. The guys, they look for beauty. That's it. Youth and beauty. That's what they're focusing on. Now, there's so many, I can give you so many of these in here. Uh, when men are in love or when a man is in love, Dopamine mixes with testosterone and vasopressin. <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one. If you're a female, it gets mixed with estrogen and oxyto oxytocin. Now, this is a physical response about being in love. Now, have you ever heard the phrase that men can be so in love that it hurts? Have you heard that? Like a young man, I've heard young men say that. I, I know what it's like as a young man, like 18, 19, 20, to be in love. And it can be so intense that it actually hurts. Well, this idea of dopamine, when a man is in love, dopamine mixes with testosterone. Do, dopamine is like a pleasure thing that happens in all your cells. Like you feel, you feel good when you're in love, right? That's what the dopamine does for you. But the vasopressin, these are the side effects of vasopressin. Slow heartbeats, pale skin, numbness in your fingers and toes, stomach pain, gas, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, headache, sweating, or rash. So they get this feeling of feeling good, and then they get this pain when they're in love. It's like, oh, this, oh, this hurts so good, I think. I'm not sure. Where the woman, when she has this reaction takes place, it creates a feeling of calm and closeness when she feels in love. So when a guy feels in love, it's he has a different feeling altogether than what the woman has. Uh, going on, contrary to popular belief, 
it is men that fall in love at first sight, not women. Now, I, I remember being young and actually recognizing girls. And I remember how I got struck a couple of times as a young man. I go, oh, what is that? And that happens to men, not so much to women. Now, as I'm going through all of these, there are so many more that I can give you. The differences that we have between the men and the women are so stark that we just assume somebody is going to be like me. The spouse is going to be like me. Remember James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something, you don't get it. If you, women, if you want your husband to be understanding, if you want him to be close to you, you have certain expectations. If he doesn't follow those expectations, you may get upset at him. But you don't understand that he's built differently than you. And same thing with the guys. If the guys tried to pursue a woman, especially physically, his wife, and she's not, let's just say, enamored with you at that particular point, then you just, why not? Have you ever, you've heard the men are from Mars, women are from Venus type of thing. And women are crockpots and men are microwaves. You've heard that one too. We are different. And so the man has to go through this process. And if he doesn't go through the process, what a rut. He doesn't get what he wants. What erupts? James chapter 4. You're not getting what you want, therefore you argue, you kill, you covet. You do all these things, you get upset, and men deal with things like this through aggression. Women deal with things like this through emotion. And God says, remember, get understanding how the men and women work. If you don't have that understanding, women, you are incapable of respecting your husbands. And husbands... You are incapable of loving your wives because each of us focus on our own needs and what we want, and we're not getting that. And marriage is not a quote-unquote two-way street. It's a one-way highway. When you get on that highway, you are devoting yourself totally and completely to your spouse no matter what comes in return. Even in the movies, they recognize this. Remember Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady? He had a phrase. Why can't a woman be more like a man? And he sings this whole song about it where Audrey Hepburn, she wasn't doing what the guy would do and therefore she should just be like the guy and things would be better. And so they make complete movies about these differences. So this love and respect, 1 Corinthians chapter seven twenty-eight says, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. So Paul was saying, anybody who wanted to get married, they can go ahead and get married. But you're going to have trouble. In the midst of that trouble, there's going to be turmoil and you're going to have doubts. But if you have this commitment under God, if you're submitted to him, you maintain the course, even though it may be difficult, but you're supposed to work at finding ways to get out of that difficulty. You're going to eventually get into another one. As you grow as a couple, you're going to cross several bridges of pain. Life is filled with pain. We want a life without pain. When pain comes our way, we're not getting what we want. If we don't get what we want, James chapter 4 immediately gets installed again. 
You see how this vicious cycle can continue to take place. Now, how did all of this begin? Why, why does it have to be this way? Why did God set it up this way? I want to tell you, God did not set it up this way. I want you to turn over to Genesis. I only have a couple of minutes left here. I'm going to make this final point. Genesis chapter 3. This is where it all came about that we would be so different and not understanding and not loving and not respectful. This is where the serpent came in and he was going to deceive the woman. And by the way, that's exactly what happened when he said in verse 4 of chapter 3, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows what that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that this fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and ate it. What was she doing? She was going back and forth in her brain going, yes, it would be good for that. Yeah, it would be good. And Adam, if he was confronted with something like that, wrong, do not eat. That's Adam. She's going, well, you know, there's so many benefits to this that go back and forth, and that's how her brain works. And Adam's, no, we're not supposed to eat that. Why was Adam charged with this sin? Because he knew it was wrong. And he ate anyhow. Where she was deceived. So he knew it was wrong. He ate. He is the one that disobedience, or that was disobedient, so it was accounted to him. And as a result of this, when the woman was asked by God, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me in verse 13. So the Lord God said in verse 14 to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. So he delivers this curse to the serpent. But to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pain and childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Not just pain physically, but all through the rearing of the child, you're going to experience pain. But then it says your desire will be for your husband. There's only one other place that this is used in Scripture which gives us the definition of this. And I will tell you where that is next week. We are out of time. <clears throat> so, men and women, we are, we are so different. And we have to have understanding. And, you know, as a teacher of God's Word, I, I think I have a hold of most of this and what it means my problem is I don't want to submit to it. I don't want to do what it says. I know what I'm supposed to do, but on the inside, I am just as stubborn as can be. And most men, mature men in the Lord, they struggle with the same thing. They know the things they ought to do, but they just, I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And if we are walking with God, it is much easier to be a good husband or a good wife. Let's pray. Father, I want to lift up all the people in here who are in a relationship. That you would help us to walk in a conscious manner, recognizing the differences between men and women. And physiologically, Lord, the, the brain, understanding that it works different. The eyes, they work different. The thoughts, they are different. And even the emotions, psychologically speaking, we understand that we are different, Lord. People study these things and you give us wisdom through their study. And we know that there are some falsehoods out there. But Lord, you intend for us to understand these things. We thank you that you give us this information. We had asked that you would help us to use it coupled with wisdom. That we would not lean ourselves to the ways of the world 
but we would give ourselves wholly and completely to you. And we'll do this through your strength and power in Jesus' name. And the church said,